Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. friends welcome back to another episode of the roto world football podcast my name is josh norris and i appreciate you being here it's july you could be doing anything but no you're probably listening to my voice headed to work walking the dog mowing the lawn whipping up some blue box macaroni and cheese later on i'll be speaking with john daigle really just to combine all of the important training camp news out of the first few days that you might have missed and really shouldn't miss it's been like two or three days of camp, and there's already a lot. I do want to say that Roto Pat is actually on his way to Stamford, Connecticut, to film a bunch of videos for me leading up until our live draft, which will be, I believe, on August 13th or 14th. So be on the lookout for those videos. Also, I'm turning a lot of those into podcasts, and you'll be seeing a few of those next week as well. Speaking of extra episodes, we're still trying to piece together our preseason schedule. I'm hoping to do at least two a week when preseason games actually kick off. We do have a big, big regular season plan Monday through Sunday each and every week. So get excited. We are. As always, if you could just tell one friend, one friend, force a friend to subscribe to this podcast, you would double our audience if one friend subscribed. All right. Enjoy the episode because now I kick it to my convo with John Daigle. As I'm sure most have heard if they're listening to this podcast, uh, I am coming your way to be more of a studio presence with you, basically just to give you someone to entertain yourself with, since you're just sitting over there bored by yourself. Wow. Your word's not mine. (laughs) Well, so this is what I'm doing. So right now the days are even faster than what you initially think, because uh, I am doing everything plus moving on top of all of that. So it's, uh, it's quite busy right now. As a Connecticut professional, myself now a Connecticut expert, is there anything you would like to ask me? Should I prepare you for anything that you are headed this way? Actually, there is one thing. So I've heard yes. that Stanford and perhaps Connecticut in general doesn't have New York pizza, which is the best, obviously, but it has something like Stanford pizza. What is this thing I've heard that people okay. have told me about? Well, apparently New Haven, Connecticut, which is about 30 minutes away from Stanford, maybe a little bit more, is like the pizza capital 
of the U.S. It's fantastic. There are about four or five or six places that are fantastic. They call it a Pete's there. But I believe what people are referring to as Stanford Pizza is probably Colony Pizza, which is this hot oil pizza, which kind of tastes like, you know, if you go to a sporting event and you get the nachos that like fake jalapeno taste that's in there. Yeah. It basically tastes like that, but in pizza form. Yeah. I do have a few things to warn you about, John Daigle. Can I list them for you? Yeah, of course. People here in Connecticut do not put their shopping carts away at grocery stores. They just leave them in parking spaces. Uh, I'm assuming they just have somewhere to be. They think that, you know, the extra 15 seconds to put them in the little compartments would take too much time out of their day. So instead, they just leave them in parking spaces. And they don't think it annoys anyone, but the way you just described it, you're clearly annoyed to hell about it. Oh, I mean, it is wild. (laughs) Like you try to pull into an open parking space and then you get a third of the way in and you realize, oh, I can't fit in here because there's a shopping cart in the way. Uh, The other thing here, Daigle, is they sell beer in grocery stores, but not wine. Mm, That's an issue. As a big wine drinker, that is certainly an issue. Uh, Early on here, I was going on a date, a blind date. Let's say in preparation for the date, I thought, you know what? As a 25-year-old, I should just have a bottle of wine in my apartment. (laughs) Sure, yeah. And and at this point, I'd been here for such a short amount of time that I had not understood package stores or that grocery stores are not sold or do not sell wine here. So instead, I walked around the grocery store for an hour looking for the wine section to then find that there was, again, no wine sold in grocery stores. Um, I'm sure there'll be more, Mr. Daigle, and we'll hit them along the way. John, let's hit into some news here. Uh, We should start, and this is our first podcast since this, I guess, shocking news hit, at least it was shocking for me, that Tyreek Hill will not be suspended for anything, for any games for no practice time, nothing from the NFL after they investigated really the audio that we have heard as of late. Uh, Daigle, what are your interpretations from this? Because for months and months and months, I thought we would at least see him miss some portion of training camp, but it seems like he can just show him practice whenever he wants to. Yeah, so not from my own personal stance, um, whether he should have been or whether we wish he would have been, whatever the case. Let's uh, just ignore that for one second, because now what happens is that as Ray recently tweeted that he has gone late in the first round, maybe early seconds, as since he's been cleared. And while I understand that, however, like I personally have him ranked now as wide receiver eight or nine. So it still seems wow. entirely too early. Um, you know, he was a 1300, 1400 yard receiver last year. Uh, but the whole fact about the chiefs offense regressing this year wasn't even really based on his suspension. It was based on just the idea that, you know, a over 8% touchdown rate for Mahomes. Um, everything clicked. Like it would, they were obviously just too good and regression is going to happen no matter what. So I just adjusted our projections on the premium side at Roto World. And um, my projections still came out to Mahomes now having 40 touchdowns as opposed to 50 and uh, Tyreek Hill just under a thousand yards. Although I will admit that's conservative. Like I could still see him going in the 1000 to 1100 yard range. Um, but no, like it's, they're still pinned for regression, regression following last year's offensive performance. Uh, it's just more or less now when you're drafting these guys like Mahomes, he can still be the QB one, despite perhaps going through these 
downtrends. But last year, he was still value as opposed to this year, you're having to reach in the second or third round to get him. And I'm not sure that's value anymore. If he falls to like the fifth round and is still the QB1, that is value. But likely he won't be falling to that range. And though that's why I'm not ending up with any Mahomes whatsoever. Daniel, with Mahomes, like the reason why he was so helpful to win us fantasy leagues was because we took him as a late round quarterback. I mean, the same thing can be said for Cam Newton as MVP season. The same thing can be said for Matt Ryan when, you know, he helped us win so many leagues. I guess my question to you is this. Like we've talked a lot about Travis Kelsey this offseason, maybe seeing more targets. One, do you see him still being a first round target or a possible first round target in fantasy drafts? And two, is there any more trickle down here, maybe to someone else on the offense, either Miko Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, even Damian Williams? So Travis Kelsey, I was the biggest proponent in all of this, and I still am. Um, I still have him right now. I think it's plausible to still draft him fifth and on, so fifth through twelve. And whether the league is tied in premium or not. Um, and that's just based on, and you can see this in our round tables on the site, but uh, as I make the argument there in extended version, but that's just based on win, winning the onesie position. So not only do you get a, a guy who can legitimately win you that position every single week, but this also allows you with that investment in a premium tight end one that cannot be uh, mimicked from a late round tight end. This allows you to draft him and then legitimately forget about the position until the last round or perhaps entirely because you have that position locked in. There is no need to draft another tight end at all. Just uh, stream your bye week when once he's out. I think it's like week seven, right. and then um go for and go from there. But the other big one here is actually Demarcus Robinson, Chris Conley now gone was their primary slot receiver last year. And outside of Conley, Tyreek Hill ran the most slot routes for Kansas City last year. Miko Hardman, the rookie, was supposed to take that opportunity, and that's why he was being drafted so early, because he ran 86% of his routes from the slot in college. So he was just going to step in, and although, yes, he still has to develop, at least that was every down opportunity that was going to happen in the four to eight games we initially thought Tyreek Hill was out. But now, with Tyreek Hill playing, this pretty much means that we can forecast a a career high in slot routes for Tyreek Hill, Sprinkle in Sammy Watkins there, sprinkle in Miko Hardman there at an even lesser extent, and Demarcus Robinson ran only 19% of his routes from the slot last year. So he's basically guaranteed a full-time opportunity on the outside. And I don't know if that's going to have production in this offense because he played the fourth most snaps for them last year at receiver and basically did absolutely nothing. But at least we can guarantee a full-time receiver playing with Patrick Mahomes. And that in itself is worth a late-round flyer. And with Tyreek Hill, you mentioned, and I've seen it too in drafts recently, he's going as a late first-round pick. I mean, Damian Williams, in a lot of drafts for me, Daigle, was going as an early second-round pick. Um, I'm not sure if any opportunity changes here. In fact, Daigle, we could probably just see more positive neutral game script here with the Chiefs because their wide receiver group is now basically exactly what it was last season. (sighs) You're speaking to the minority here because I think I'm down on Damian Williams as opposed to the industry. Interesting, And it's not that. So, But for me, if he truly is the feature back, which Andy Reid has already said he wants Damian Williams to be for 16 weeks, that's a top five, top six, top seven running back on the season to me, no matter what. And I agree. And 
even if Andy Reid doesn't say that, we do have historical references, right? Like Andy Reid's never used two backs. Like he's Damian right. Williams is going to open the year with seventy percent of the opportunity, um, and that is the case for him. However, let's let's peel back the curtains really quick. Let's go behind the scenes and have some fun here. Uh, so recently, I visited former friend of the show, Rich Rebar. Uh, I actually went to his home in Cleveland, stayed with his family, had a good time with him and whatnot for a few days because he's a good friend of mine. And uh, there was one evening we were on the couch having a few beverages and it's like three in the morning, staring up at a ceiling, talking to each other about football. Sounds like a nightmare. It was a lot of fun. But uh, <laughs> as the great Reeves said, I don't know if he wants me to share this, but I'm going to share it anyhow. Uh, he just basically said the one thing people do, and it, and this is when I perked up and listened, because the one thing he said that stood out immensely was the common mistake is we don't draft in buckets and like people should be drafting in bup in buckets. For instance, Chris Hogan had never proven himself a like standout a thousand yard receiver. And yet we weren't drafting in buckets. We were drafting him like in the third and fourth round last year, myself included. So like I was also made that huge mistake along with everyone else. Damian Williams has never had 50 carries in a regular season. Damian Williams has never had more than 23 catches in a regular season. And now we are projecting him for a 250 touch season. Um, I understand the opportunity there for sure, but he wasn't a day one talent. He was a day two talent with pass catching chops like that in itself is helpful. Yes. But once again, day two talent also five years in the league. Now he could barely compete for a number two job. And last year in front of Andy Reed's eyes was the number three back. He only received that opportunity because Spencer Ware went down after Kareem Hunt was cut. So it's outside of this few months and a five-game stretch, essentially, of uh, being very good with Kansas City and a few months of coach hype, we don't know what Damian Williams is. And so, in my mind, I am playing it safe. And, like, I have him currently as my RB, I think it's 17, whereas he's going 10 to 12 right now. So it's not like I actually hate the player. It's just a matter of I am being much safer in my projection for him. All right, Diggle, let's keep it moving here with Todd Gurley. Uh, not Todd Gurley speaking this time, but it's actually Sean McVay speaking, his head coach, saying that Todd Gurley's knee is, quote unquote, ready to go for training camp. This is meaningful because we know Todd Gurley missed a good portion of OTAs. Um, and that has led to many of us prophesizing that maybe he lessens the magnificent, the ridiculous workload that he saw last year. And with that workload was just ridiculous production as well. Does this move the needle for you at all? I mean, I've seen Daryl Henderson go just ridiculously early in a bunch of leagues I'm already in, like round six or seven, which I am way off at that value. Well, you're talking, you're preaching to the choir now, because I'm the guy at every mock draft you see, especially industry mock drafts. I keep taking them in the mid-fifth round. Um, really? And I Why? Do, I do. And I do that because that to me is still valuable because I think he has, and I could be wrong here, by the way, but uh, I'm making an incentive as opposed to just having an opinion on it. Like I'm actually putting my money where my mouth is. The common mistake here is that we think we're doctors and we're not. So we have all this information on Todd Gurley and perhaps he's a late first round value. Perhaps he's a mid second round value. But I think the biggest mistake we're doing is hedging. And people are like, oh, I'll just grab Gurley and then waste a top seven pick or whatever on Henderson. I, I think it's one or the other. And that's the mistake. And so if I'm not taking Gurley at all, perhaps I'm wrong. And that's just fine. I've been wrong several times. I'll be wrong again. But I am not taking Gurley. 
in that third third round or for poor range. And instead, I'm going to who I believe will be his direct backup, who is arguably the most explosive back coming out of this year's draft. And I know the coaching staff said post-draft, they t- they compared Daryl Henderson to Benny Cunningham. But come on. They, they didn't just compare him to Benny Cunningham. What they said was that Malcolm Brown is someone with three down skills and that Daryl Henderson we view as a – not part-time running back, but someone as a change of pace back. They both said that. Les Snead said that. Sean McVay said that. To me, that's their vision. Like they are telling us what they see. And that doesn't always happen, right? It always doesn't go by what the coaches and GMs and decision makers say, or else this would be a much easier game than it is. Because a lot of times, you know, the talent rises to the top. And maybe that's going to happen here with Daryl Henderson, that he will show better talent than this team views them. But just from me interpreting those words, which is what we can go on at this point, I think that the clear backup to Todd Gurley is Malcolm Brown and that Daryl Henderson will have, a, will have a specialized role no matter who is out there, kind of honestly, in a like Tariq Cohen type way. That, that makes sense considering they actually matched Detroit for Brown's contract. Like they actually wanted him back. Since we know... And this is via uh, Scott Barrett's offseason work, which is always good. What correlates to fantasy points? We know uh, running back's value correlates from one snap rate and two targets, or essentially usage in the passing game. And uh, Henderson, so in my mind, even if Brown gets slightly more carries, which I'm not personally projecting at all, but let's just, for the sake of the argument, say it happens. Um, Henderson is still the more valuable of the two. And like I think Henderson on, I don't know what, like five targets a game plus uh, eight to 10 carries a game um, can easily return value, but then also be a league winner um, for week, hell, I don't know, let's say week 10 on. So yes, I am that person valuing Henderson uh, entirely too high, which is just fine. I am more than willing to put, like I said, I'm backing my opinion with the way I approach my own drafts. Uh, Let's keep going with Trent Williams of the Washington Redskins. We talked about this a long time ago around draft time that Trent Williams was upset with the Redskins organization, both one, because of his contract, and two, how he believes they handled his medical issue, which I believe included removing a tumor from his scalp, from his head. Um, Now it's being reported that he is not going to show up to training camp and that the distance and the extended time he's going to take away seems quite large. This is already an offensive line and running game and offense, Daigle, that has many questions. This does nothing to make me want to draft anyone on this Washington Redskins team right now, Daigle. We were all banking on, I guess the earliest pick was for the Redskins, uh, Darius Geis. But now, after that hamstring setback, and he's questionable for training camp, everyone kind of slowly backed off. Like he was going around the fourth round initially, but he was also being skipped over, like with for obvious reasons, for obvious health concerns. Um, that eventually got his ADP back to the sixth round. And now people are even backing off. Still too rich. Exactly. People are backing off because, like, what do we know about the guy? Like, we don't know anything about the guy. Explosive coming out of college, obviously, when we were evaluating him great one half in preseason exactly and then obviously that preseason torn acl and then this offseason he had not one but three additional knee surgeries because he had setbacks and then obviously another setback in april and then this hamstring injury so that's what we know about guys and it leads to essentially making and i hate to say this but adrian peterson again 
being the most valuable pick among that backfield. Um, even, 100%. Even though Chris Thompson, I do think, is worth uh, sprinkling in best ball like late rounds, just as the pass catcher who is only two seasons removed from like an explosive season before getting injured. But uh, yeah, Adrian Peterson, if you want early down carries, that's that's the kind of the guy you're targeting in the middle rounds. Continuing with the running back theme, my friend Charles Robinson reports that the Chargers are, quote unquote, dug in with their stance on Melvin Gordon's holdout. Um, we know that Melvin Gordon has said he's not going to show up and even wants a trade, possibly, uh, if week one has not panned out how he wants it to. And we have him on tape from last year saying that Le'Veon Bell should hold out and he would do the exact same thing in the exact same scenario. Despite all this, Daigle, I'm still seeing Melvin Gordon going in round one. Again, don't want to touch the player in that area. Yeah, he slowly made his way to the end of the first round. And considering the difference in money if he holds out as opposed to the money that Le'Veon Bell lost in his holdout, like it's seemingly easier to project Melvin Gordon actually holding out. And that's the scary part about all this. Um, having said that, I still think they're going to get something done. He came out in his press conference. He said he wants to stay a charger. He's obviously taking advantage of his stance right now. Fifth and final year. He's set to make, uh, what's the amount? Do you have the amount? I should know this. I think it's like 5.6. Yep, it is. Right, 5.6. And um, his final year with the Chargers. I, I personally, and there's nothing, I have no education. Like there's no, well, I have education. I have no education on the matter. <laughs> On the matter. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. I personally think he will be out there by week one. You you repeated third grade three times. Yeah, this is true. I actually did read at a fifth grade level in kindergarten. The issue is I read at a fifth grade level in fifth grade. So what does it matter? Don't don't turn this into some kind of humble brag. You're supposed to be self-deprecating. That's what we all are in this podcast. I do believe he'll play by week one. But if he doesn't, then you already know. And the markets have already reacted. Like Austin Eckler has already moved up a round or two since this whole out news officially fell. And then Justin Jackson's your late season guy who actually uh, projects as a like a bell cow back. Like he was a bell cow in college. He can be a bell cow in the NFL. However, it's still going to be Austin Eckler who's more valuable because uh, he catches all the passes. And as we've seen before, he is very explosive. So let's do a few quick hitters. Maybe of them doing solo unless you want to chime in for one of these. Julian Edelman will be missing three weeks. I'll leave some type of finger surgery that just gives, you know, more reps to like Braxton Perios and Don Inman and Maurice Harris, who I believe play a good amount of slot last year for the Redskins. We still think that Edelman will be the and will be once the season rolls around the Patriots number one wide receiver Josh Gordon still looms out there mostly on social media hanging out with Tom Brady than anywhere else but um, at least and Nikhil Harry you know he played a lot of slot at Arizona State as well so I'll be very interested to see what other receivers outside of Edelman outside of Philip Dorsett really emerge during this training camp in preseason time because really there's no one that we're investing in continuing with the Patriots Isaiah Wynn passes physical so I mean, I would be surprised if he's not the team starting left tackle. And Sonny Michelle will start training camp on the pup list. Uh, this is very different with Sonny Michelle than Todd Gurley, Daigle, because they were kind of connected and both weren't participating in OTAs. Sonny Michelle, talk about ADP, it has dipped quite a bit compared to the end of the season where we at least thought there was some clarity in him being the touchdown scorer. And I'm not sure if any of us would feel comfortable drafting Sonny Michelle basically in any round, Daigle? Yeah, I have him ranked as a low-end RB3, but that's just an analogy Oof. to say I'm not touching him. 
Like it's yeah. it's pretty much that simple because he'll never reach that. He'll never be drafted properly, like in the ninth or tenth round. So uh, I will never have any shares of him. From the Edelman thing, it's only three weeks. He'll be back by week one, most likely. He's a dark horse leader to be uh, the targets leader in the league, considering everything lost. Assuming Josh Gordon doesn't come back, even though I personally think he will come back this season. But uh, for some reason, let's just throw it out there for week one. If Julian Edelman is out, uh, obvious beneficiary is James White. Direct beneficiary to routes run would be Maurice Harris since Demarius Thomas likely won't be ready and is quote unquote old. And so Maurice Harris, Washington's full-time slot receiver last year would then work into the slot. But the guy you still want is in Harry who would uh, be likely the red zone target even more so, especially since Grok is out. Three or four more to go. Uh, Albert Breer reported that some teams believe across the league that LaShawn McCoy of the Bills will be cut or traded prior to the start of the season. In some ways, this makes sense, Daigle. In some ways, it doesn't. One, it makes sense because of how many other backs this team brought in. They brought in Frank Gore. They drafted Devin Singletary. And then they also signed TJ Yeldon. It also doesn't make sense because, correct me if I'm wrong, Daigle, but LaShawn McCoy and Frank Gore are like basically best friends. And McCoy is kind of the one who recruited Gore up to Buffalo. And this is, like you said, it's been a heavy rumor since February, really, that LaShawn McCoy is getting cut. Um, I don't, I don't know which lane, way to lean right now. I'm still 50-50 on the matter. But this does really project at a backfield that leads Frank Gore to lead in carries, uh, LaShawn McCoy to lead in, lead in rushing yardage despite having fewer carries, and Devlin Singletary to lead in catches. So it's kind of just one to avoid altogether. Uh, let's go to Denver. Broncos offensive coordinator has compared Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay, that tandem, that combination, which wasn't as much of a tandem last year, to Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman of the Atlanta Falcons. Dagle, this kind of leaves us with a little bit more of a headache if we want to read into this coach speak because we want clear-cut feature backs. And at many times, Philip Lindsay was that, despite Royce Freeman looking solid. But Tevin Coleman, Devontae Freeman, it has been tough to gauge at times when the two reigned together in Atlanta of which one was a Tevin week and which one was a Devontae Freeman week. I think we have enough information, and this is going back to March. Like We knew off-season activities this was going to happen, so this is why it always makes sense to draft early anyhow. Um, Cecil Lammy of Football Guys, who's basically a, a true insider for the Broncos, uh, James Palmer of NFL Network, like if all of these guys back in off-season workouts even said, this is clearly a timeshare, and it actually would make sense if Royce Freeman leads and carries. But – we now have five days of tr- actual training camp practices from Denver, and all five days, Lindsey was the running back one. He at least started, but he still worked in a timeshare with Royce Freeman. However, unlike last year, uh, Vic Fangio even came out and said that the way he sees it, like ideally, he wants to put Lindsey in situations against running against linebackers in the passing game because that's where he can explode, and that would also leave Royce Freeman on the field as well. Uh, though I don't think they'll work together as much as he thinks. Um, I do now at least think Lindsay is one healthy from that wrist injury that kept him out for all of offseason and two uh, serviceable. But the fact is that Royce Freeman is still not being drafted in the middle rounds as much as he should be by everyone. It was cool to see Philip Lindsay get that first carry of 11 on 11, I believe, team activities in training camp. Also cool to see Emmanuel Sanders He's ahead of schedule with his Achilles. I don't think he's working in team yet, but he's doing a lot of individuals, which is wild to think that that injury was so late in the season that he's already back to running, even at his age. Pro Football Talk, Mike Florio has, I guess, written 
that Ezekiel Elliott is planning to leave the country for training camp. Um, Dega, where do we think Ezekiel Elliott would go with his time away while all of his friends and buddies and teammates are working? Didn't he go to Mexico last year during his suspension? Yeah, but do you think he would just go back to Mexico? Like, do, do we think that Ezekiel Elliott is someone that is just a repeat vacationer? Yes, or do you absolutely. think he has some type of, of adventure tendency and trait and wants to go and see the world in different places that he's never been? Before? Given his repeat offenses at Dallas parties all over the Metroplex, I would say he's absolutely going back to Mexico as a repeat traveler. Let's close this out with, I guess, how every offseason closes out. Uh, with the Eagles signing Darren Sproles. Um, <laughs> he's back. And I actually think, Daigle, that Darren Sproles, for no reason, is probably one of my like favorite NFL players of all time. I mean, he's never been a top 10 running back. No, for a reason, absolutely, because he's like actually exciting to watch. Sure, sure, yes. Uh, does this throw a wrench at all into the Eagles' plans? I know that like at times we've had projections and expectations that he would carry out the passing down role for the Eagles. Um, we know that backfield has basically totally changed this offseason uh, outside of Corey Clement because they add Jordan Howard, who can't catch passes, but Miles Sanders, who can be explosive out in space. Does the signing of Sproles do anything for you? The worst, You know what the worst part about all this is, right? Is that uh, he's actually going to play. Like he's actually going to yeah. be their third down back at his age 56 season or whatever the hell it is right now. So uh, he is sprinkled in now, but I'm still buying Miles Sanders as – I don't want to say featured back, but uh, but basically your early most upside. Yeah, absolutely. Your early down bruiser who um, only lost value a couple rounds of value, actually, in both dynasty and best ball and season longs uh, stemming from his offseason activities injury. But I mean, he's already healthy now. Like he's going to be just fine. I think it was a hamstring. But either way, I would expect he's just fine. Uh, he may not participate in, pre- in the preseason games so much, but once the regular season starts rolling, like that's the guy who's going to lead and carries. I don't worry about Jordan Howard. I don't worry about the rest of them, Smallwood, Clement. Um, this is going to be a yeah. Sanders backfield with Jordan Howard perhaps sprinkled in and Darren Sproles playing your third down role for however long he's healthy. Yeah, and for me, whenever we get to like that era of the draft where Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard are, are going, I, I want to invest in the back that has the most quote-unquote upside on an offense that we think is going to be very good. And that's Miles Sanders. I mean, and that's different than say like the Sean McCoy, Frank Gore, who we just talked about, or, you know, Kenyon Drake in Miami. Like we, we don't think those other offenses are going to be consistently good. The Eagles might have one of the best offenses in the NFL, top three, top five depth at every single spot. So I understand being nervous about taking a running back in that kind of no man's land area of the draft. But if you're going to do it, I at least keep in mind um, how great the potential of this offense can be and with Miles Sanders also potential on an individual level as well. As we have said time and time again, they are so good that they draft, they traded up to draft a starting left tackle who is not going to play this season. That's how good yep. they are. For everyone out there, hopefully you enjoyed this podcast. Leave us a rating review if you did and tell one friend, tell one friend to, to subscribe to this podcast. Training camp, Yes, and let's throw on those Roto World notifications. Just get those notifications ready oh, because wow. uh, everything's going. As we said, the worst and best part about football is that football is starting now. Yeah, and I think like all training camps kick off on Thursday. So be glued to those blurbs, ladies and gentlemen. All right, we will talk to you soon. Early next week, myself and Roto Pat back on this episode uh, on this podcast, 
And as soon as preseason games get rolling, we'll be cranking out two, three, maybe even more episodes a week. And until then, talk to y'all soon. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.